Well, let's just go to prayer and uh, we'll send you home. <clears throat> Lord, uh, we make it complicated and it's not. Sometimes people like me preach long sermons when they're not necessary. And sometimes uh, we can learn from the freeness of little kids clapping their hands and waving their palms and acting like apes in a jungle and the other things that they did that we have lost a little bit of our first excitement and our love for you. And in some cases, Lord, we've lost it all. Father, as we uh, try to learn the lesson of always being ready, we try to learn the lesson of watching and be alert. Lord Jesus, help us to also be mindful like little kids, how easily we get distracted, how easily we get sidetracked, how easily we miss the point you're trying to make in our lives. You have told us what to watch for. You have told us what the signs would be. You have told us to be alert. You have spoken to our hearts. You preached it, you lived it, you demonstrated it, and still, Lord, like little kids, we focus for a minute and then sometimes get distracted. Father, there is a healing that's needed upon our hearts. There is a, a freshness of a new spirit that needs to move across us as individuals and congregation and church and, and city and state and country, Lord. There is a work that needs to be done in the lives uh, through us. I thank you, Lord, as we begin to step out in obedience, lives are changing. As we begin to pray your authority over people and take authority over the lives that you have granted into our care to intercede for, that you begin to work and accomplish your purposes. And so I proclaim over this body a spirit of readiness, a difference, Lord, that helps each of us become more aware of how quickly and suddenly things can turn and change and go in a totally different direction. I pray, Lord, that there would be a spirit of obedience in our hearts, that we would begin to understand exactly what you're trying to speak to our hearts, that you would make us more alert and aware of all the things you want to accomplish in our lives. I pray, Lord, like the kids, we would begin to learn how to follow, how to listen, how to watch, how to be aware of what you're trying to do. Lord, we are not ready. If you come today and take me home, I'm not sure I'm ready. And I want to be ready at any time, at any moment, not just for that, Lord, but I want to be ready to be a servant. I want to be ready to be broken. I want to be ready to be useful. I want to be ready to pray. I want to be ready to fall on my knees. I want to be ready to dance. I want to be able to abandon myself before your throne and understand the celebration of this moment and this day. I want to be, you know, six and eight and 12 years again, Lord, that a freedom that came from not worrying about what everybody else would say or think or how it felt or any of those things. I want to be free in you, Jesus. I want healing to be poured out in this congregation. I want lives changed by what we say and do in our families. I pray, Lord, for a truth to permeate our actions. I ask, Lord, that you would raise us up to be different people. I pray, Lord, that there would be a working of your spirit in our lives, that families would be reunited and brought back together that husbands and wives would find new ways of communication, of understanding and avenues of, of clarity and grace and encouragement, that there would be such a spirit of forgiveness over this fellowship, Lord, that they would not be able to hold back 
the healing power that comes as repentance, brokenness, and forgiveness is poured out through you into us and toward one another. I pray, Lord, for the wholeness that only you can give us. I ask that today as you marched in Jerusalem, you would march into our hearts fresh and new again. I pray, Lord, that unlike some of the people maybe in Jerusalem, we would not be just in the moment, Lord, but instead in you fully and completely, that we would fully comprehend who you are, our Passover lamb, the lamb of God that took away my sins and the sins of the world. Father, draw us into that fullness and let your spirit rule our hearts and turn us in directions that we really need to turn. We pray this all in your name, Jesus. Amen. As the offering is received this morning, this is hard. You know, you got these texts and you go, I've been uh, working with my kids in school and we do a study of church. And uh, what I make them do is get in a circle. And uh, in that circle, I try to remind them that the pastor is not the church. And then I ask them the question, who is the head of the church? God or Jesus is the correct answer. And then I said, imagine yourself as though you were God's right arm, the body of Christ. And let that arm sit there. And I said, what is the job of the arm that belongs to the body of Christ? What does my arm must what does my arm have to do in order to be connected to the body, connected and listening to the You got that? You're not listening to you're listening to the head. And you got to understand that because it's so easy to get this thing so messed around. It's so easy to to think your job is to come here and sit and listen to me. God forbid that I become your standard. All right? Because if you think I'm good enough to measure against, you don't know me at all. And not only that, I've done a horrible job because you have to understand the standard that I'm supposed to be obedient to is not compared. Why is it the right arm always has to move, God? Can you see my arms fighting like this? How come the left arm hasn't have to move and make some signs or motions? And I go, that's what we get to be. We compare ourselves to one another. We compare ourselves to all the wrong things. And the only question is, when you come here and when you function out there, are you listening to the head? Because if you're not listening to the head, you're either a dying or dead or a part of the body that's about to be cut off. What do you do when gangrene sets into your arm and it no longer is able to respond to the moving of the responses of the leadership of God. Every doctor will tell you, you cut it off. Don't think that you can't be cut off, and don't think you and I can't sit in church and be absolutely useless to God, because we're capable of it. You understand? I'm watching those little kids. You ever done the jungle one? Woo, woo. Right? And uh, you, can't, you ever get inhibited as adults? You know, I always do. You know, I, you guys think I don't. I get inhibited like in two seconds. All right? And you go, well, how, how can you make such a fool of myself? I go, because that's my nature. But uh, inhibit it. You know, what are they thinking? Then you got to get over what they're thinking. Then you got, hoo, hoo. And then you got to say, am I going to raise my hands? Am I not going to raise? Am I going to dance? Here's Mark doing his dance, right? And I'm going, here's me doing my dance. What's your dance? And I'm going, 
We're missing. We're missing what God is trying to pour into us. We are uh, buying into things that we're not supposed to be buying into. And as a result, we're losing the very spirit of God that has been poured out onto us to be given to the body, to be exercised by the body, to reap the benefits from the body. And in that sense, we begin to lose so quickly when one of you thinks it's okay not to listen, either in church or out of church. Suddenly, a part of the body is dead. When that part dies, like any part of the body, if my right arm was truly infected with gangrene or blood poisoning or something that destroyed the nerves that make it listen, what happens to the rest of the body? It begins to get infected also. It begins to spread that behavior. If you get used to just sitting and not participating and not abandoning yourself like a little 6, 8, 10, 12, 15-year-old, whatever it has to be, if you get used to that, it becomes the standard. And pretty soon in that standard, you have two arms that aren't listening, but compared to the rest of the body, it's apparently the right thing to do, but you have two arms that aren't moving. And you suddenly begin to understand in reality the body begins dying right in front of your eyes, even though it still exists in its form. And the question is, how long are we going to exist in the form of righteousness or the form of godliness or the form of integrity before, like arms and legs, we begin to respond again to the moving of the Spirit? You can't keep walking out there. I can't keep walking out there and think that if I ignore God, somehow I will still have life in my, in my walk or anything else. It has to be that obedience, and you have to learn how to listen, and you have to learn then the courage of response. It's that want and abandon that just allows you to grab that thing and celebrate. It's that ability to, to clap and cheer and get beyond ourselves. Those are kind of the outward signs of what needs to be happening to us inside. And you've got to understand, that becomes the challenge. Because if the church is ashamed of Christ, who's going to stand with him? If you're ashamed of the faith that you have in God, Who's going to stand? If you're not going to bring him into the workplace, who's going to bring him into the workplace? If you're not going to apply his word into your dating life, into your marriage life, into your raising children life, into every part of your life, who's going to? The people out there certainly aren't. You can't walk around and call yourself a testimony for the Lord if you're not responding to him. You can't call yourself a witness for God if you're not responding to him. And so this last section that we're looking at is, are you ready? Is there any evidence that you're ready for the coming of Christ? Is it being demonstrated? Do you see it in your life and actions? Or do you see that slow death, that gangrene that's creeping across the face of our nation, the gangrene that's creeping across the face of the church of Jesus Christ as it slowly begins to die and give up and cease to respond and cease to be obedient? And every one of us is a part of either the life or the death of the church. When you stop responding and you start adding, you know, going in your own directions, doing what you want to do, at this point you're of no use to the body. You're out there doing the radical opposite. And if you're still attached to the body, everyone looks at you and says, I thought you were a Christian and followed Jesus and all that stuff. You're a Christian? And you do this with your boyfriend and this with your girlfriend and this toward your mom and you talk about your dad that way? Why in the world would I ever want to be like you? I mean, that's really the truth. 
I'm not hiding anything or telling you anything you don't already know. If this is what it means to be a Christian, you get to go out and live any way you want, and you're not in harmony with God or his word or his people or anything else. Who are you? You certainly don't belong to the Lord, and that's why Scripture always says there comes a time when you've got to cut it off. The Lord will snap that branch off and throw it into the fire. That's the process that he has us dealing with, looking at and examining. So the warning, of course, is you have to be ready. Don't let anything that's out there deceive you. And I don't want you to think of the, you know, that there's so much wretch out there. I want you to look at the wretch in your own heart. I want you to look at the compromise in you today. I don't want to talk about the people out there. I don't want to talk about our government. I don't want to talk about anything else but the wretch in you and me. The thing that shuts us down and plugs our ears and makes us totally useless in the kingdom of God. That ability to kind of walk in the church and live our lives like this, not moving or existing for the Lord at all, but somehow saying, well, at least I'm still attached. And God says, all you remember is the memory of being attached. And the only thing left remaining is your church got to get the courage to cut you off because you haven't been attached to me for a long time. Cut you off, throw that arm on the ground. Right? That's really that process that we're all so terrified of. Why would I want to cut my arm off, throw it on the ground? The answer is because it is sick. It is diseased. It hasn't listened for weeks or months or years. It has the appearance of being a part of my body, but in reality, it never moves. It never fights. It never witnesses. It doesn't tell the truth. It is a useless piece, an appendage to the body. And so the false prophets, those forces that are out there that are trying to drag you into that uselessness are the parts that you and I have to be alert to. I don't know if they're ready. The question is, am I ready? I don't know if your wife is ready if you're the husband, and I don't know if the husband is ready if you're the wife, but that's not what the sermon is about. The question is, are you ready? Because if you're trying to live like some kind of appendage of God attached to the body of Christ, and we're not going to be kicking you off probably today or tomorrow, you better be at least be alert. If you're dead and you're dangling there, you're dead. And that's exactly what this message is trying to communicate. Exactly. Are you ready? Are you watching? And I'm not asking you just to watch for the second coming of Christ. Are you watching as you begin to die off? As you begin to drag compromise into your life? as you begin to sell out the truths of God's word, as you begin to justify yourself, as you begin to compare yourself, well, compared to those other immoral men, I'm not so bad. Compared to the way those women treat their husbands, I'm not so bad. Compared to those teenagers who sleep around, I'm not doing it. At least it's only with one person. And you get into all this kind of stupidity and compromise and illusion. And what the truth is, you are a dead appendage of God dangling on the end of his shoulder of no use in the kingdom of God and you yourself have become a false prophet. I go, that's the truth of the deal. And so Peter trying to scramble and pull and encourage people, please, please, you understand? Be ready. You cannot just keep going on. You have to be ready. And second, You've got to be watching because you have no idea where the deadness is going to start. If Satan destroys you, where is it going to start? What part of your life is most vulnerable? 
Where is the deadness going to begin? Where do you cry out your compromise and then make excuses for your compromise? One of the challenges that we have is learning to recognize the falseness in my own life and heart. That's why I look at you and say, why would you want to copy me? God's spirit always has to be touching and motivating and shaking loose because parts of my life suddenly go limp because I don't want to listen. And God has to re, you know, revive them again so they come back to life and usefulness. They have to be exercised regularly. And exercise like anything else is difficult. And it causes pain sometimes and, and aches and grievances. And, and if you've ever seen that, kids are just started up with spring sports and they're walking around going like this. Oh, Pastor Herman, what? Track. <laughs> right? And they're sitting there and they go, you want to see my blister? I said, no, I think I'll pass. You know, uh, what is it? it? It hurts to get brought back to life. The muscles scream. Your body screams. You don't want to walk into that. That's why in one sense, here it is. Coach, get out on your face. We're doing it again. Get out on your face. Push up again. Do it again. We're running another 100. What's the coach trying to do? Encourage, pressure, coax, whatever it takes to get you to start doing the push up again. Right? We all wish we had a kind of trainer and in that sense where we kind of stay healthier and everything else. But you understand, that's really what Paul, Peter is trying to do here. i got to have people who are ready. These false prophets are all around, and they creep into our lives from television, music, radio. They are in themselves sitting next to us. They are our husband. They are our wife. Because we begin to say, well, compared to her, I'm doing pretty good. Compared to him, I'm doing pretty good. And I go, where in the world did you ever get that comparison from? The standard is, are you God's woman? Are you God's man? Are you becoming the woman, the man, the teenager, whatever you want to pick, that you're supposed to be becoming? And that's the challenge. Are you really ready? And so in one sense, obviously, the sermon was over. It really was. There is nothing else besides getting ready. The thing is that you can't understand, and God's looking at his people going, I have told you, get ready. I have warned you. Get ready. Uh, it does, you know, I, I was, somebody was just talking to me as we were coming into church and I, telling me about some other good brother. And, uh, oh, wait, it was uh, Ron? Did you give me that book? Where is Ron? Name of the book? Uh, the, Last Christian Generation. the Last Christian Generation. Written by Josh McDowell. I said, Ron, don't give me that book. I said, you want to know why? I said, because that's what God's speaking to my heart. I don't want to confirm are your children, are your children's children going to be believers? Are our children believers now? I got four kids. I got three extended, you know, in-law, sister-in-law or daughter-in-laws and son-in-laws. I've got, I've got, you know, seven grandchildren. I got, and I go, oh, my God. Do you, own, you know what I'm talking about, that parent's heart. I'm not sure if every one of my kids is going to make it. And I hate that. And I do everything I can because I'm going, I'm watching the world and circumstance and their own wretchedness sometimes pull and tug them and twist them. And you just keep wanting to hear it. So yesterday I sat with my son Nathan for, I think we sat together all afternoon. And I just, you had one of those father and son moments where all the walls came down. And we just talked like two men of God. And I just go, oh, this is so neat. I just, you know, you hug them and you go, 
Thank you, because for this moment, I'm reassured that you're still a man of God who still loves the Lord. And I go, how do you tell a son how important that is, or a, a daughter? And I go, you're walking in the heart of Peter right now. If any of you as parents or acquaintances and friends, you know, as you get old enough, you watch your friend as they start to compromise their life. I've had kids break down crying in class because they're crying. I said, what are you crying about? And said, I'm just watching one of my friends make all rotten decisions for his life. And they're sincerely broken by watching this friend who they used to be so close to, you know, freshman year, and now they just keep walking down these paths or they come back and visit school and say, Pastor Harmon, do you remember someone? I go, yeah, you should see where they are right now. And they, they, can we just pray for them? And you, you know, because they feel that grieving. And I go, that's what Peter is doing. He's grieving for the loss of the people he loves. He's grieving for those that are being deceived by the wretch of the world. And so I want you to take your parents' heart and feel the grieving and the loss of your own child, and I want you to hear the woundedness and the invitation of the love of God. Come back, my child. And then I want you to apply it to your life first, and then I want you to understand that when you weep as a parent over your child, that God sits alongside of you with his arm around you, crying with you, longing for that child to change, to walk in a different path, to become something new again or to return where they need to be. God is not up there cold and distant. He's up there saying, I'm telling you this. You didn't come to church on Sunday, this Sunday, as an accident. You needed to hear, don't let anyone and anything destroy your relationship with God. Don't let the false prophets that are out to you infect your life and destroy your relationship with God. Don't let some guy or some girl or some situation or some difficulty with your wife or your husband or some pain you carry physically or emotionally. Don't let a, a, a nearness of death, don't let anything separate you from that love of God. And that's the message because I, you know, God is so concerned that he doesn't want to lose us. And so the children's sermon, right? Be ready at any time to be taken home. More importantly, be ready at any time to be a tool in the hand of the Holy Spirit. Be ready at any time to drop on your face and intercede for your brothers and sisters. Be ready at any time. And then watch because it's coming after you and your family and your children. And you have to watch so that you can step in between and in that gap right away. All right? I want all the men to stand up. Good. I want you to form a circle around this congregation. Go to the outside aisles. Go. Turn your back to the center. Turn your back to the center. Face outside. Turn your back to the center. Mothers, stand up. Right where you're at, kind of. Go to the edge of the aisle. There's a little room down to the end. Turn your back to the center. Now all the children, come here with me. All the kids, come here. All the other women and men, stand up. I'm sorry, I didn't mean to miss you. Stand up, turn your back to the center. All the other women and men, turn, get to the center here. Come on, get in the center with me. Now, I want you to use your imagination for a moment, and I want you to picture that all around the outside of this church, there are enemies, and they want to grab you and hurt you. What do you see happening with these big people right now? What are they doing? Huh? No, they're not trying to hurt you. They're protecting you. 
They're looking to the outside. Who are they watching for? The person that's going to try and hurt you, take you and tap you and steal you from the group. Do you see that? Those dads are there and right behind them are those moms, those men, those women. They're standing with their back toward you, not because they don't love you, but because they have said, we will not let anyone hurt you. That's what they have to be ready to do. Are they watching? Are they alert? Are they keeping their eyes open? Are they going to keep people from hurting you? Yes. Can you remember that for me today? One thing you got to learn, though, watch this. Come with me, all of you. Come on. Don't knock anything over, but squeeze in here a minute. Up here is fine by the pulpit or the altar. Uh, thanks, you. Thank you. <laughs> yes. Stop. That's good. Keep coming all the way. Are we inside the circle or outside? Outside the circle. Are they going to be able to protect us? No. Are they able to help us? No. It's pretty stupid to get on the outside of the circle, right? Because they're not able to help. Whenever mom and dad look at you and say, listen to me, obey me, trust me, I'm working for your good, please understand where all those people are standing, okay? Back to the center of the church where you belong, and don't ever get outside that circle. Don't knock anything over. Go slow. Go real slow. And all the rest of you can go back to your seats. I think that's my biggest children's sermon. How easy is it to get out of the circle? Too easy. It's a dumb place to be. It's a dumb place to be. And the truth is, I could have grabbed some teenagers and some adults and a few men, some singles, some it didn't matter. You all know whether you're inside the circle or outside. And the truth is, you're stupid. I love you, but you're stupid. Because that illustration is what the church is really all about. It's what this text is all about. I can't watch every direction, but I can keep my eyes peeled in the direction God's given me to take care of. And I need my kids, my people, my ones behind me to line up and receive that protection. Because I can't keep you there otherwise. The enemy's coming in from all sides. i got to trust that that man and that woman and that teen and that adult over there, that one over there are doing their job. Because if you're not doing their job, they're coming in in another direction. That's how important each one of you are. And you and I need to be alert to that. Let's pray. Raise up an army, Lord. An army on its knees. An army of fighters, an army of battlers who refuse to lose one child, who hate what the world does to our kids, to our marriages, to the wives, to the families, to the singles, uh, hates what it does to the men or the women of this congregation in any way, shape, or form. Give me the courage, Lord, 
to trust, my brothers and sisters, will take up the arms and do the battle in their spot in the body. Give me the courage, Lord, to stand my ground without compromise and guarding my section of the wall. Give me the courage, Lord, to entrust the victory into your hands. Lord, you have never called me to fight the whole battle, but you have called me to fight that part of the battle that you've called me into. And Lord, I pray against the stupidity in my heart, the stubbornness in my heart, the willingness and the foolishness that causes me to step outside that circle. That even as a grown adult, even as a pastor, even as a man, knowing better, I still walk outside that circle like a fool. And Lord Jesus, I pray against those times in my life whenever I go there or even get close to that. And I pray, Lord, that as my brothers and sisters guard my back, they would know that they could trust me to guard theirs also. Move across this congregation. Make us fighters, Lord. We do not want one of our kids to be lost. We do not want one of our marriages destroyed. We do not want anyone, married, single, young, old, whatever they are, to not recognize they are a part of this body trying to be guarded and protected. And Lord Jesus, I know that as I stand in the center of that circle, guarded by my brothers and sisters, that I don't deserve your mercy, grace, or protection. I know that the strength that I'm given in that spot and the forgiveness that I'm giving, I don't deserve. Father, I bring all my sins and I lay them down at your feet today. I bring all my compromise and stupidity and I lay it down at your feet today. And Father, by your mercy and grace, forgive my sins. Give me the courage to be your man on the wall. Give me the courage to see my brother and sister on my right and my left as part of the battlement, as part of the wall. And then, Lord, give our children and those that are wounded by life circumstances and deep down by the wretchedness of sin or the lies of the deceiver, give them the courage, Lord, to stay in the center of the circle and give us the ability to minister to protect and accomplish your purposes. Father, not one, help us to remember, not one for the other side. Lord Jesus, let grace be poured out on us today. Teach us your ways. Let your healing fill our lives. We pray this in your name, Jesus. God's people said. Amen. Now is the